0: Just sing, take control. Take control here and now. Take control here and now. Take control here and now. Take control. Thank you so much as you give us an opportunity to praise you, to worship with you, and to pray amongst our friends and our family in this church. Ask now, as we open up your word, that you endure us with tremendous power. I pray that you speak through us and that you speak to us. You speak to our heart. You speak to our mind. You speak to our emotions. And that you physically give us the ability to accomplish what you set for us in your word. Lord, when we do all those things, let us give you praise. Let us give you glory. Let us honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's turn and read uh, together Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, <coughs> verses 19 through 24. <coughs> Verse 19 reads Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth destroys, nor thieves break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there also will be your heart. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is your darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So when we first moved to Houston, um, Lauren was actually still in Colorado so I actually decided to move in with a, a, a mentor of mine who's a pastor, and they had what was called like the, a great Texas room. They had a garage apartment on top of their garage that I stayed for a few months while while Lauren was still in Colorado. And the motive that I had for that was that I actually wanted to be around another pastor and his wife and actually kind of see how they live. I hadn't had that experience before, knew that that was the direction God was sending me, so I wanted to kind of experience that a little bit more. When Lauren moved to Houston, we actually decided to uh, stay with some leaders of a local church that was planting a church. One, because uh, I wanted us to be part of a community of believers being new to the city. And then also wanted to be part of a community to see firsthand what it looked like for them to be planting their church as well. So we stayed as part of this of a a house that they had. We had a room and kind of shared the house with them for a few months until we figured out where we actually were going to live. Once we figured out where we wanted to live, we decided to partner uh, with a a local missionary organization where we could actually have an apartment and then actually at the same time do what's called local missions to be able to share our faith with the community that we're around. And the motive that we had for there was again to live on mission in our community so that we could actually eventually share our faith with the people that were around us. The point I'm making with all that is that, you know, though we could have on our own had opportunities to just find out where we would want to live and just live happily ever after, the motive of all that we were trying to do as we moved into Houston was about kingdom purposes. You know, today our message is is about, you know, figuring out what are our most meaningful treasures. And you know, our most meaningful treasure as we moved into Houston is figure out how can we place ourselves in the midst of God's work so that we could actually best be used by Him. Uh, verse 19 gives us a very, very similar theme that we'll kind of read. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break into steel, for there. But lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 19 is is this idea where God is almost telling us that there's a savings account for your life. You know, I like to say it like that. There's a savings account for your life. And and oftentimes you you might think about, you know, from our physical perspective, maybe you bank at one of the national banks like a Chase or Bank of America or one of the local banks, and you put your money in there because at a certain point in time, you want it to be safe and secure, you know, for life. Well, God says that, you know, for, for all the things that you treasure in life, on this earth, they're all victim to the elements. You know, they're all victims to someone either stealing it, either decaying, or it just goes completely kaput in your life. And But then God also says to us in verse 20, you know, don't do that. You can actually... Use your life, use your resources and store it up in heaven where there are no kind of elements that can kind of destroy it, where it kind of where it can, can decay, where all the things can corrupt it. And he's saying that we have this opportunity to kind of figure out you know how we should best live our lives. You know, our story of moving to Houston <laughs> relates to that because we could live anywhere. You know, we had the the finances and the resources to do that. But I realized, you know, over this past week, that one of the things that we were trying to do was lay our treasures up, you know, in the kingdom of heaven, of trying to figure out the most important thing that we thought that we could actually do is try to figure out the will of God. And being in the will of God is is the best place that we could ever be. And so we're, we're talking about this message because, you know, oftentimes, the greatest thing that can sidetrack Our relationship with God is money. And I'll say that again. One of the greatest things that can sidetrack our relationship with God is money. And so, you know, it's it's ironic that, you know, probably the greatest topic that God actually uses in Scripture is money. And probably one of the reasons why is because it can easily just get us off on another path. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit because Jesus Christ talks about it. And we're in this Sermon on the Mount conversation and he's trying to. Help us to figure out, can you stay in the will of God? And if you're in the will of God, you know, one of the best ways to do that is making sure that you're controlling money, the conversation of money, the motives of money, and figuring out all the things that you would do. And so this is not a message where we are trying to collect an offering. You know, this is not a message where we're trying to figure out something that you actually need to get to us. It's a conversation because if we are to be people of God, if we are to be people of who want to seek God's direction in our life, the very first thing that will keep us off track is not dealing with this issue of money. And so Jesus Christ begins to say to us in verse 19 is that understand that first and foremost with money, it's a prioritization type of thing in your life. And what you prioritize, you focus on. And so he uses the word treasure to help us to understand that the things that you treasure on this earth really aren't all that significant. Because they can burn, they can be lost, they can be taken away from you in the snap of the finger. But he says, but in a different kind of context, if you just simply focus on understanding what are the things that you truly value, maybe they're not the same perspective that you would come into into that everybody else in the world thinks about. Because if I think about treasures today on this world, I think about maybe financial money, which could be the case You know, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your job, uh, maybe it's um, your house, maybe it's your car, you know, maybe it's your collectibles, you know, maybe it's your uh, musical equipment, you know, some things that are something that you just simply treasure that that you think is the most important thing in life. One of the good, good points of wisdom I've always heard about treasures is that if you ever look at your bank account, you'll quickly figure out if you itemize your expenses where your treasures are. Because they will point directly to the things that are consumed in your life. And so wherever you spend your money, wherever your checkbook goes, if you want to know where your treasures are, just look at your bank account. And so God begins to say to us, you know, an understanding from this perspective so that we understand how to prioritize life. You know, we have the opportunity to prioritize life, all the things that are on this earth, which will completely decay or can completely get lost. Where you can prioritize your life with things that are called the kingdom of God. You know, that's that's his church, that's his service, that's anything that relates to the mission that God is actually trying to do in this life. So here's what he says to us: For where your treasure is, there will also be your heart. Love that. For where your treasure is, there will also be your heart. You now there's a correlation between your treasures and also your heart. I want to define heart for a little bit, it's all throughout scripture. It's probably one of those things that we don't talk about in everyday nomenclature, but it's a word that scripture uses to help us to understand both our motives and our actions. And and he uses that, you know, you could use your brain, you can use your mind, you can use your emotions, but he uses the word heart to be able to say that deep inside you, there's a place that resides where all the decisions of your life (laughs) start to proceed from. There's a couple of scriptures that kind of relate to that. One is in um, Jeremiah 17:9. It says that the heart is above all things deceitful. Proverbs chapter four verse, 20, verse twenty-three says, "Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows all the issues of life." So here's what I'm what I'm saying with those two scriptures is that where your treasure is, there is also your heart. But your heart is also the place where all of life begins to proceed from you. And so Jesus Christ gives us these, these words of scripture, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then if the light is in your darkness, how great is that darkness? So he gives that illustration to kind of help us to see Whatever you place your eyes on, whatever is your treasure, begins to affect your heart, and whatever your heart focuses on consistently is all the things that you actually will end up doing in your life, if that makes any sense. And so, you, so to break it down even more, if you focus your life all about getting money, you know, where thieves break in and steal, where moth and rust can destroy, then you're going to live a life that's consumed with that So. Even as much godly person that you want to be, if your life is consumed with making money, consumed with thinking about money, you're going to live in the corruptible world of money, and that's going to be the product of your actions. You know, but he also says something you know differently. If, you know, if, if I can break this down in, into a couple of weeks ago when we talked about lust and we talked about adultery, you know, if I spend my time all at the strip club, if I spend my time watching pornography every single day. Then eventually, my heart is going to have actions that result in lustful thoughts. That's going to have actions that result in lustful activity. It's going to want me to pursue women in an unhealthy manner because where I place my eyes now is where my treasure is. And so in the same kind of way, he's now taking the conversation and giving us an understanding from a financial perspective. And so what's difficult about this is that we live... And you know, and I would call the greatest financial prosperity time that history has ever seen. You know, and we are the most uh, prosperous country the world has ever known. You know, all of our conversations, not all of them, but the majority of our conversations kind of wrap around money in, in consistent case. And I always like to use the idea that money sometimes wakes you up. It tells you where to go. It tells you what you can eat. It can tells you where to drive. It tells you where to live. It tells you when you can go to sleep. It tells you when you can go home. It tells you when you can go visit people. It tells you, you know, when you can actually have a meal. Money has that much power in our life. And so God just gives us his understanding that if you're going to be people who actually focus on me, I've got to consistently remind you of this. And, and so we're talking about a church because we need to consistently be reminded of the power and the sway that money has upon our life. At the end of the day, he says in verse 24, is that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, you cannot be devoted to one, because you'll despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money, and he calls money a master, just like I did, because it tells you exactly what to do in our life. So here's where we go from this. You know, as we go from this, I was reminded of a conversation that I had um, this past week, where you know, we talked about just the the power of money, and as I talked about, you know, the, the power of money, I was uh, we I had this conversation with a friend of mine that that is a friend of mine, but also mentoring him in, in relationships with God and and his growth in God, and and he revealed that you know one of the things that he worships is his job, and he you know he wakes up thinking about his job, he wakes up thinking about an opportunity to make money. When he goes to sleep, he is dreaming about ways to actually make more money. And so this week, um, things have not been well financially for my friend. And so we talked and we prayed and we talked about some things. and, And we talked specifically about this manner of conversation where we have two masters here. You know, we have this opportunity to either, you know, serve God or we have the opportunity to serve money. And we've got to figure out how to break that cycle you know, figuring out the way that God is not trying to tell us that not to have money or not even to use it. Because some of the greatest things that have happened and will happen in mankind and in the future and in the present is by the use of money. But God just simply doesn't want us to let money be our master, let God be our master, and things can actually begin to flow to us. You know, just reminding when I talked about us moving here and allowing God's kingdom to be our treasure and the work of God's kingdom to be our treasure, you know, realize that didn't even think about it because God was our treasure. We lived literally lived in a garage apartment for a few months and then, you know, lived with some other friends. So we lived in somebody else's home and then we got our own apartment. It wasn't the greatest apartment, I would think, but then God keeps adding and I realize that things get better just because you're simply following what God wants to do. But I I use that illustration because of the fact that until probably today, I didn't realize that the beginnings were really so small and that the prioritization wasn't the things that you could have, but it was really the things that you could actually do for God. And once you do the things that you could actually do for God, God will say, I'll add all the things that you actually need. And we'll eventually get into that next week. But this week, we want to talk about just the prioritizations that we actually have in our heart. And that our heart will always be double-minded if we don't really get this right. You know, because God says, before I can talk to you about all things that you might want to do in life, we have really got to tackle this one. You know, because if you don't tackle this one, none of the other stuff will matter. Because you'll, you'll go through this consistent rat chase. You can go through this consistent loop of trying to say consistently over and over again that I want to be a person who loves God. I want to be a person who does what God wants me to do. But yet, and still, money is really my master. I want to say that one more time. Money is the one who tells me to get up. It actually tells me where I can eat. It tells me where I can drive. It tells me where I can live. It tells me who I can have conversations with. It tells me when I can go on vacation. It tells me what trips that I can make. Sometimes it's our masters. But when God says the prioritization should be me, I can add all the things that you actually are desiring for you in your life. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 16, I don't have it on the screen, but Luke chapter 16, verse um, 10 through 11 is another scripture that begins to talk about money. And at the end of verse 11, he also says the same thing, that you can't serve both God and money. But when he does this one, he says that, that if he who has been faithful in the small things shall be faithful in things that are much larger. And he who has been faithful in the insignificant things called money, if you have not been faithful in that, God says that I can't even give you the true riches of life. Because that's how important that money is. And so, where this conversation begins to go is that, like, that of course, you've heard, you know, pretty consistently from churches forever that they want you to tithe and they want you to give offerings, and and they they say that because of the fact that God says it. And there's a resource that's needed for the church. But I want to use a different spin. I want to help us to see see that when God actually tells us to give, it's not so that you lose something, but it's so that you gain a relationship with him that truly matters. Because the first test of your faithfulness, the first test of whether or not you truly love money or you truly love God is the ability, can you give it away? You know, can you actually devoted to the priorities the priorities that belong to God, or like I said before, if you actually look at your bank account and you see where you itemize your money, you'll see where the things are most important in your life. And so God begins to say to us, if you want to begin this conversation to be able to understand how to prioritize your life in me, we're going to talk about money. And the way that I've actually set up the establishment You know, for you to do that is by actually learning to actually give, what's called to the local church in the form of tithes and offerings, ten percent of your income, so that you get this idea that it doesn't belong to you. I think God just has these beautiful scriptures that even tells us that all the silver is mine, all the gold is mine, all the land is mine, and that really what He's called us to do is to be stewards of all of His resources on this earth. And so the things that we think that are ours, you know the bank accounts and the cash and all the things that we hold tightly to, you know, God really says that it's really mine that I've actually allowed you to use. And so now I'm giving you an opportunity to to learn how to walk in it with integrity. Amen. There's a saying in scripture that also tells us this. Um, well, I, I like the way that I say it more than scripture says it, <laughs> but... But the scripture say this it's like that, that, uh, don't let the little foxes destroy the vines. You know, it's like the the little things that we kind of do in life don't seem real significant. But when you keep doing them over time, we realize that they have a a big effect in reality. (coughs) And our life is really spiritual. So I wanted to bring this into a spiritual context because sometimes we don't realize how spiritual our life is. And that the things that we are we don't do based on what God tells us in the small things matter in a large scope. And God tells us spiritually, like fix the small things in your life. And when you fix the small things in your life, you'll see good benefits largely in, in the big things in your life. And so I, I like the way that I said scripture's probably better. I still like the way I said maybe because I came up with it. But but I like to say that you know we can we can dam up our own life. You know just like like a like a water prevents, you know, things to be flowed in our life. We can we can dam up our life so much that we can prevent God's flow. You, you know, and God uses money to help us to understand that oftentimes money is the thing that is preventing your flow for me from happening in your life. And God wants us to have this conversation because it's a hard one. I mean, it's thing that it's so hard because we once again live in the most financially prosperous country in all the history of the world. You know, we are the most prosperous people that the world has ever seen. Even though we probably don't even feel like it, we are more prosperous than generations and generations before has ever experienced. You know, we have expensive phones and we have expensive everything, (laughs) you know, that we kind of just take for granted. And because all those things happen, those things that we treasure could be getting it in the way of my life. I want to leave us with this this last illustration that I think comes with a little bit of wisdom that I probably wish I had when I was maybe like 16, 18, or 20. But I remember like after my my first year <laughs> in college, um, I got an internship with uh, uh, AT&T. And I got this internship with AT&T. It was first money that I ever had. This bank, for some reason, allowed my three-month income as an intern to be proof to be able to buy an $18,000 car. And so I went ahead and got that loan, picked up the keys to the car, got my first car when I was about 19 years old. Without a lot of wisdom, I um, talked to my mom about it. She said, well, you need to get insurance. And so I got insurance. And when I got this insurance, I had no intention of ever paying another insurance payment again. (laughs) I just had no intention. But I knew I had to do it because I wouldn't get the keys unless they saw proof of insurance. So I did that, and I had this car for about a month and a half. I had the car for about a month and a half, and then I actually got in a car accident, and I completely totaled the car. Completely totaled it. And so, you know, young, foolish, silly, young boy, who bought an $18,000 car with no income based on three months of an internship was, I don't know how a bank actually does that, you know, but then decides not to even pay for the insurance a month later, you know, now has $18,000 on his credit. And it wasn't really until a, probably a year or so later that my relationship with God really started to get strong. And one of the first things that I started to see in scripture was this important aspect of actually putting God first in the area of money. And so I I followed through on that and I became a tither and I became a giver to God's resources. Still had this $18,000, you know, debt on my account, but then I actually learned how to manage money a little bit better. And I understood through faithfulness of scripture that says that if you, if you are faithful in the small things, God will allow you to be faithful in things that are larger. And so eventually, you know, I tackled this head on and I started to try to pay this debt off even while I was in college and tried to to figure out what I could actually do. And I I paid off this debt, you know, some kind of way through God. And then I learned, you know, um, how to even manage my credit cards because at that time I was just as foolish and taking out a lot of credit cards because they'll give them to you in college just like it's candy. And so I took out these credit cards and had also some minimal debt in my life before I even graduated. But God still gave me this wisdom just to, to pay off and be faithful in the small things. Well, eventually, you know, my credit became pretty good. It's, you know, 760, 770s, 800s, FICO scores, things of that nature. No credit. Didn't believe in that anymore. <clears throat> and saying all this to say that <clears throat> there's a point in your life where the, um, the foolishness of our lives kind of dictate and will play out true in your life. You know, I was 16, 18, you know, living foolishly with money, and then the product of my life was foolishness. But God is still true. You know, God says that if you just learn to be faithful in this area, then it will eventually turn around for you. And so we're saying all that to, to say to remind us, you know, wherever you're at in the area of money, you know, God has a way of escape, you know, for you. And maybe some of us are not as faithful with money today as we probably can be. And maybe this is a a message and a conversation where we can understand if you are asking that question, how do I fix this? Here's your answer. You know, we fix it by learning to be more faithful. And there's some of us that are part of this faithfulness process and we got to continue to get going. And there's some of us who... Always need to hear this message consistently because we can fall off really, really quickly. You know, money is such a tempting factor in our life that even if we understand some of the things that we're talking about next month, I can get off on this road and get enticed by something that God had no plan for. Because one of the things when God talks about being faithful you know, to money, not only are we faithful by actually being a tither, but being a steward of God's money means that he owns it all, right? And if he owns it all, I am the manager of whatever he wants me to do with it. And so if I'm a manager of whatever he wants me to do with it, then I'm responsible to ask the owner who owns the money that I have, what should I be doing with that? And frankly, probably a lot of us don't ask God, you know, should I spend money this way? Should I spend money that way? Should I spend money on this object? Should I spend money on that object? But part of our faithfulness to God probably should include that conversation, because that's part of the the the, the way that God says that you now qualify for true riches. You know, I, I want to say this last thing. Some of us could be really blessed by God. and This conversation is not always being about being blessed. It's about your prioritization with God. But I do want to say some of us could really be blessed by God if we just realize that God will use a person who is faithful to advance his kingdom. You know, God will say to that person, if this person will just allow themselves to be used by me, I can bring more resources to them than I will to another person because I've got a mission to accomplish. And if I've got a mission to accomplish, all I'm looking for is people to be used to be used by. And so he uses this, this small thing called money to test us to be able to say, if you are faithful in this one small area, I'll be able to bring so much to you. And when he does that, and he brings so much small to you, you can enjoy it too. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, I don't think that our, our life and our testimony is, is that big of a deal, you know, in life. But I'm always amazed that when I file our tax returns, <clears throat> and I look at the reality of what we have, that it far our ways, you know, what has come in. You know, what, what God is able to do is, is saying that because you have prioritized what is mine first, I'll even give you a very, very nice place to live. I'll even allow you to drive nice vehicles and, and have good things. And, and we never have want to eat. And, and we have to diet so much because we eat too much, <laughs> you know, because God will always just bring more things to those who actually places a prioritization, you know. with It's amazing that we live in a country that is the most prosperous country of all of history, but that prosperity is based on a green piece of paper that has no value. And it's called the dollar bill. You know, our company, our, our, our government can print paper and get us to believe and have faith that this piece of paper will give us the happiness and the joy and the resources that we need to, to buy anything that we want to have. But the reality is it's just a piece of paper that is backed by our government saying that it has value. And so when you think about what what God actually tells us in the kingdom of God, he says that my word is just as valuable as any tangible resource that you have here on earth. And I'm telling you that by faith, you can have the things that are available from the one who owns it all by faith. You can have all the things that are available that has it all. But the thing that I ask you first to do before you get into all of that is I need to have your heart. You know, I need to have a, a committed, commitment to, I need you to have a commitment to me that actually shows me that you're all in. And once you're all in, I can open up the windows of heaven for you. You know, I can provide all the things that you need for you. You know, next week, we'll actually look at a passage in scripture, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, that says that do not worry about your life which you shall eat, which you shall drink, Mm. or which you shall wear. Mm -hmm. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's just asking for our commitment. And he's asking for us to have faith in his word, just as we have faith in a green piece of paper in the United States of America. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Dear Lord, thank you that we have this opportunity to gather, talk about scripture. I pray for all of us, Lord, in this area of money, this area of finances, where we are far from you or directly in line with you. We need to walk with you all in a greater way, in a mighty way that we may be able to do all that you've called us to do, to have faith in you, just as we have faith in a green piece of paper.